there's no understanding why news organizations don't actually engage in news and go about asking what happened before reporting on what happened. Uh, except, of course, you come to the answer, as you have throughout the last years, that you've seen this over and over and over again. It's because the answer to the question isn't as important as the story that gets put out. Now, you say to me, Tony, that's just the regular everyday talking point that the media can't be trusted and the media is not on your side and the media is pushing narrative as opposed to facts. Well, in the case of Israel and the attack from the terrorist organization Hamas that murdered 1,400 people, that set people on fire, that raped women, that kidnapped babies, that kidnapped the elderly. When it comes to this, yes, I think it's very obvious that the media has taken sides and certainly... There's the conversation regarding this hospital where 500 people have, uh, according to the reporting, have been killed. And people want to say, my gosh, Israelis targeted a hospital. That's not the case. So why didn't anybody wait for the data? That's our question. Sadly, I think we know the answer, but it needs a breakdown. Guys, good to be with you. Welcome to the show presented by Americans for Prosperity. Americansforprosperity.org, economic liberty, free speech. That is where it's at. That right there is Noah Rothman. You know his work over at National Review. He's the author of Unjust, Social Justice, and the Unmaking of America and the Rise of the New Puritans, Fighting Back against progressives war on fun. Uh, we have had a series of conversations over the years. Noah, we have things that we agree with and things that we disagree with. But when it comes to this, starting with this story right here about this attack on a, on a hospital where immediately it was about blaming Israel for the attack and the New York Times did it best. Th these are all, it's, this, it's the headline changed three different times, starting with Israeli strike kills hundreds in hospital, then at least 500 dead in strike on Gaza hospital, and then finally ending up with at least 500 dead in blast at Gaza hospital. Your piece over at National Review, I read the headline, the hospital bombing lie is a terrible sign of things to come. How did they get to this place, Noah? I, you have to have experienced it in real time to really get a full sense of how excited the press was by the prospect, the rejuvenating, the comforting prospect of being able to retreat to the notion that Israel too is prosecuting war crimes here. If you're a New York Times subscriber, you got an alert on your phone within minutes, minutes of the revelation from the Gaza Health Ministry that this strike supposedly occurred. There's no justification for anyone taking at face value the word of the Gaza Health Ministry, a Hamas-run organization that inexplicably produces exquisitely accurate numbers, figures, casualties, all of which are attributable to, to Israeli military action within seconds of any military action. It's a notoriously unreliable actor, as are a lot of terrorist operatives. And I remember talking to my colleagues that morning about what happens in these conflicts, if you have any familiarity with them. Israel, uh, Hamas rockets, Islamic uh, Jihad rockets are rudimentary steel tubes that routinely fail, routinely go off course, often fall on civilian targets inside Syria and Gaza. And those, the casualties that they produce, they are immediately attributed to Israel. So you can't take the word of this institution at face value if you have any familiarity with, I don't know, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which if you're a, a person who's been alive, 
for more than 20 years on this planet should have at least a, a, an elementary sense of it. And you certainly shouldn't be reporting on it if you're not. Then you should have you know, respond to this sort of information with some skepticism. They did not. They, they raced right out of the gate in order to demonstrate that there's a moral equivalence here. We can't really be choosing sides in this conflict. We can't say, ah, Israel's just the pure victim here, that the slaughter of 1,500 civilians, women, children, the abduction of, uh, of uh, elders, as you said, the, the attack on Americans, 30 dead Americans, the worst terrorist attack on Americans in, in years. All of this is just sort of along a continuum of evil of which Hamas maybe exists here, Israel really exists there. Who are we to judge? So, so uh, let me take a, a bit of a side tangent. Uh, Gad said, I had put on, on Twitter X, that what people are experiencing, it's been said different ways. I just like the way he said it in, in this one, not that I would agree with him on everything, but I thought this was astute. People are experiencing what he calls AOC, and he doesn't mean Representative Ocasio-Cortez. He means amnesia of causality. Everything regarding what's happening, this war in Israel, from a the media side, certainly from the university side, I'd love your take on that, is about what Israel has done in response. And they have forgotten that there are 30 dead Americans. They've forgotten that there are American hostages. There are 199 hostages, and that number could be more. There's 1,400 dead Israelis and others who were, were murdered for going to a, a, a concert. It, it, the the media playing purposeful in that forgetfulness is that an acceptable statement in your eyes absolutely what you describe is this sort of intellectual corruption a tendency that you see among people who are sharp enough to know exactly what they're doing to invert cause and effect to attribute to affect the cause of a particular action so israel israel's response to a genocidal act uh the worst murder of Jews in one day since the Holocaust is in fact the cause of that event. If you abstract it out, you, in, you end up, you know, you look at these people as statistics and you reduce the agency of the individuals responsible to it. You, you make them into automatons that are just carried along on the tides of history. This is a sort of rationalization process that you need to work yourself through in order to divorce yourself from the humanity of the situation, to make yourself into an absolute ghoul that is just that obsessively it re, it, it forcing reality into a series of intellectual frameworks that not they don't that are designed to help you uh, understand your environment end up doing the exact opposite end up obscuring your environment making your capacity to understand your uh your surroundings and our shared reality uh in unintelligible to the uninitiated observer this had profound consequences this lurch to take Hamas's version of events at face value is a real problem now. The streets are alive with riots in Europe and, and the Middle East. American diplomatic facilities are under siege. Joe Biden's effort to meet with his counterparts in Jordan, Egypt, and the Palestinian Authority scuttled in protest as we are trying to contain an aggressive Iran in this region that could very well pull Americans into conflict. Hold this on one second. Hold sure. on one second, because I wanted to ask you about this. This was Iran uh, just earlier today with this message. Time is up. It was a message to Israel, uh, the New York Post reporting it uh, and, and, and others. 
but the you had the the king of Jordan, Abdullah, King Abdullah. You had uh, the head of the Palestinian Authority, Mahmoud Abbas, uh, who I uh, consider a, a terrorist. I'll I'll say that from my words only, not necessarily putting words into your mouth, Noah. And uh, then you have the president of Egypt, Al Sisi. All were scheduled to meet with Biden. Biden, after this trip to Israel, was going to head over to Jordan and meet with them. That is now not happening. Is that because of pressure from the Arab world, quote unquote? Or is that because, well, we don't know what happened with this hospital, so let's just call the whole thing off and it'll help us put more blame on Israel because at the end, we prefer that. Yeah, I think you would have to say that it's probably attributable to pressure from below. Uh, the thaw between the Sunni kingdoms, the Sunni states in the region, Sunni Arab states, and uh, Israel is really a top-down phenomenon. It is the governments of these undemocratic regimes, Egypt, the UAE, um, uh, Jordan, and uh, lastly, Saudi Arabia, which was probably the trigger for this event. Saudi Arabia was getting very close to a public rapprochement with Israel. But at, at the lower level, at the civilian level, that have where individuals have marinated for decades in anti-Israeli, anti-Semitic propaganda, the Palestinian plight still registers, even if it doesn't with their governments. Uh, so when you do see these uh, episodes of violence happen and, and they, the street erupts in, in protest, these regimes have to fear for their own stability. Uh, so they're looking out for their own ends, although I don't suppose that all, any of these governments would be all that frustrated if Israel was to truly smash Hamas. Hamas is a pain in their sides. Hamas is a, a catamite cat's paw of Iran. It is not on their side. Uh, they don't necessarily like Hamas. And they've been siding with the strong horse in the region for quite some time. A demonstration of force would reinforce their perception of Israel as the region's strong horse. Nevertheless, they can't say that outright. They certainly have to behave as though they're superficially uh, uh, sympathetic to the Palestinian plight insofar as this is representative of it. And it's really not. But what the true problem is for the United States right now is containing Iran. Hezbollah looks to be, based on all open intelligence that we can see, very much prepared to enter this war and open up a northern front in Israel. And Hezbollah is absolutely a puppet of Tehran. It doesn't do a thing without Tehran's say-so. And Iran is making a lot of sudden movements that are making everybody very nervous. So getting the region on board on the same page is of absolute critical, paramount importance to American national security. It will cost American lives if they're not. And these children playing in the sandbox at these news outlets trying to decolonize their, their newsrooms or whatever nonsense they've convinced themselves of are doing immeasurable harm to the country of their birth. Talking to Noah Rothman of National Review, nationalreview.com. He's the author of Unjust, Social Justice, and the Unmaking of America and the Rise of the New Puritans, Fighting Back Against the Progressives' War on Fun. Uh, let, me, let me give you this right here. This is Joe Biden uh, speaking in Israel uh, as he was there with Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, giving warning to other nations. One would think this was Iran amongst others. We move U.S. military assets to the region, including positioning the USS Ford Carrier Strike Group in the Eastern Mediterranean, with the USS Eisenhower on the way to deter, to defer further aggression against Israel, and to prevent this conflict from spreading. The world will know that Israel is, Israel is stronger than ever. And my message to any state or any other hostile actor, thinking about attacking Israel remains the same as it was a week ago. Don't.
don't, don't. So uh, this is Biden, you know, clearly saying he's on the side of Israel and playing very tough. And he was also clear to tell Bibi Netanyahu in, in that one on one meeting uh, this. Mr. President. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Prime Minister. In the wake of Hamas's uh, appalling terrorist assault, it was brutal, inhumane, uh, almost beyond belief what they did. This cabinet came together and uh, standing strong, standing united. And uh, I want you to know you're not alone. You are not alone. So that's President Biden. We're standing with you. Hey, other nations, don't mess with Israel. You're not alone. But this is Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman from Michigan. Israel just bombed the Baptist Hospital, killing 500 Palestinians to President Biden. This is what happens when you refuse to facilitate a ceasefire and help de-escalate. Your war and destruction only approach has opened my eyes and many Palestinian Americans and Muslim Americans like me. We will remember where you stood. Now, that's a member of the party, the Democratic Party, threatening the leader of the party. That much is for sure. But I think the question here is, uh, Noah, what kind of ally is Joe Biden to Israel when the party has so many people who won't condemn Hamas, who won't even mention Hamas in a statement, whether that be Ilhan Omar, whether that be Congressman Andre Carson of Indianapolis and others, the party has a real anti-Semitism, anti-Israel issue. How, is Biden a trusted partner? Well, I think Joe Biden has said a lot of the right things in ways that I don't think I've heard any American president say. When he came out in favor of uh, Israel's right to self-defense, it was the most forceful statement of that kind I've heard from an American president in my lifetime. Joe Biden came out today and at and very directly and without equivocation say Hamas bombed the hospital. He did so based on Israeli intelligence transmitted to the Pentagon and the Pentagon's assessment himself. And it took him a minute to do it as they were reviewing intelligence. He didn't get out in front of it, but he did exactly what news organizations are supposed to do. His administration, vis-a-vis -vis, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, has condemned in unequivocal terms the comments made by people like Rashida Tlaib, Elon Omar, Jamal Bowman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, when, when they were asked by, by name, by a reporter, what the administration's position was on their statements, basically saying we need a ceasefire right now, which is tantamount to saying Israel needs to stand down and not engage in its own self-defense. That is the sister-soldier moment that so many people on the left and the right have been demanding Joe Biden make since 2019 when he ran against the progressive elements in his party. Does the party have an anti-Semitism problem among these members? Absolutely. Rashid Shalib's a bigot. Ilhan Omar's a bigot. But they are also a rump caucus within the Democratic Party. Washington Post had a piece on the efforts by these members of the coalition and the Democratic coalition to lobby Joe Biden to come over to their side. How many of them are there? Thirteen. Hold on. Let's fight because I don't think you're wrong. And by the way, I did think it was a strong statement by Biden. I actually thought it was strong words from Corinne Jean-Pierre. The question here is in believability. We could argue that the number of Democrats, progressives in the House that are of the very vocal Jew hating set is a small number, but they have got thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of supporters on college campuses 
all across the country. We've witnessed it with our own eyes. They're going after Harvard and saying, we're pulling our funding. John Huntsman said, sorry, University of Pennsylvania, taking our funding because you don't engage moral clarity. In my beloved Indianapolis, the University of Indianapolis, a despicable statement. The president of Indiana University had to put out a second statement. The first statement was so blasé. So you argue that it's only 13 but they are representative of a really gross number of people who would be very fine with Israel's eradication. What does Biden do in the face of needing those votes in 2024? Well, I think the they would say the precise same thing about Republicans. They would say that Republicans have incubated within their ranks a level of racist resentment that maybe isn't reflective of their literal representatives in Congress, but they are sub rosa representative of these noxious sentiments. And unless they purge from their ranks all their voters and anathematize almost all their voters and render themselves a rump party, they're not serious about racial rapprochement. And I think that's just a callous political argument designed to advance a particular narrative that would advance the Democratic Party's political interests. I don't think it's true. At the same time, I don't think Democrats behaving as representatives of righteous and moral sentiments and not and casting aside actually in ways that I don't think Republicans have their own members who have behaved in atrocious, morally repugnant ways is something that I should be dismissive of. I think it is significant. I think it's a powerful sentiment, a deserved sentiment. And it's one that if we want to encourage, we should welcome and say, good job. Let's hear some more of that. In fact, maybe you should go a little bit farther. If we were to say, well, that's not far enough because there are some college kids on campus who hate Israel and the academic environment in this country is corrupt to its core, all of which I agree with. I don't think that would be get better behavior. I think it would be get more, more the, the kind of thing we don't want to see. People retreating to their own corners and getting defensive and pent up. That's not what we want to see. We want to encourage this kind of engagement with the anti-Semites on the left. You want to encourage the engagement with the anti-Semites on the left to expose them or for engagement as in conflict. Okay. Making sure I understood what it is you were going for before I let you go. Um, one of the places that we have a bit of a divide is the conversation of Ukraine. Um, uh, there are many within the Republican party to the extent that it has become a litmus test uh, that uh, funding of Ukraine is just unnecessary. It is their fight. It is their war. Let them do uh, their thing. Zelensky is not a good guy. We've heard recently in the last 24 hours, Russians tried a very big offensive. It failed quite miserably, but that doesn't necessarily change where the lines are. This is trench warfare a la World War I uh, in, in that situation, and it seems that the only answer is going to be Ukraine giving up the Donbass or Ukraine defeating Russia, and that's a multi-year process. But you've seen massive support for Israel, so much so that Zelensky tried to get an official visit uh, to Israel to meet with Netanyahu, and Netanyahu said, no, thanks. I got my own war to fight, and you got to figure out how to get the world on your side. I've got enough problems uh, on, on my own. I, I, I differ with you in the idea of exactly how much should be spent and where this money is, is, is going, not uh, in, and I do differ with a lot of uh, other conservatives, in the idea that we're better off with Ukraine fighting Russia off as opposed to Russia getting Ukraine. I do believe that. Um, is there a difference here that can be, well, um, I guess the word is elucidated, that support of Israel is a, a better option, a, a more sensible 
conversation. And there's an easier way to rationalize it than support for Ukraine, or in your eyes, is it exactly the same fight? It's exactly the same fight. I would like to direct your reader's attention to a piece that I put up in the uh, latest issue of National Review magazine. It's titled Israel, Hamas, and the End of the Pax Americana. When Israel's terror, when Iran's terrorists, rather, chant death to America after they've killed Israelis, they're not confused. When Iran supports this kind of action and Russia supports Iran's action, they're not engaged across purposes. When Hamas terrorists take high-level meetings at the Kremlin twice in the last two years, to discuss what we don't know, but perhaps to advance the objective of, of Russia in this region, which is to bog down the United States in a variety of conflicts by proxy. They are all acting at the same purpose, just like China is providing Russia with weapons, Iran is providing Russia with weapons, the DPRK is providing Russia with weapons, the D, uh, China provides Iran with its missile components and, and, its, and its weapons, 25% of its weapons imports. All of them are engaged in the same conflict. The conflict is with the United States. The conflict is over the American-led geopolitical order and how long it will stand and whether or not we will stand in its defense and whether we will defend our friends and allies who are content to advance the American-led geopolitical order, which has provided us with the kind of prosperity and peace no other generation before us has ever known. It is a valuable thing to, pr to produce, to, to uh, rather uh, perpetuate. And I would say that this money is not only uh, valuable from a geostrategic perspective, it's pennies on the dollar for what we're getting for it. Yesterday, yesterday, we saw the first battlefield use of uh, the Attackum missiles, which has the best acronym in military history, ATCAMS, Attackums. And two of those missiles took out, as of my understanding this morning, nine Russian attack helicopters, a radar installation, and an ammunition depot. That's a great ROI. We should keep doing that. And we are going to keep doing that because I, I, if you're one of the Republicans who thought that all this conflict in Congress is over Ukraine funding, you should have been disabused of that notion a long time ago. Kevin McCarthy managed to get only, only the sacrifice of Ukrainian aid in order to keep the government open. And what did his conference do? They threw him out the next day. It wasn't 12 hours later that they rewarded this effort by throwing him out. And what have Steve Calise, what have Jim Jordan done in order to to coerce the holdouts in their conference to vote for them for speaker, they said, we're going to put Ukraine aid on the table. We're going to marry it with the Israel aid because it was a red herring. You were lied to. This was never the issue. It was always about power. It was always the understanding that this riles up the base and maybe this will get me a little bit of a notch uh, on the fundraising scale or it'll get me on Fox News primetime. But it was never about that. American interests are advanced by this and there's some very cynical actors who think that they could leverage this fight and leverage the culture war over it, because this is a Democrat-Republican thing, not a national security interest thing. Think they can leverage that for their own political gains. It is a truly cynical gambit. And I'm very heartened to see that it is not at all sincere, but it is nevertheless an abuse of your trust to pretend as though it is. His name is Noah Rothman. Uh, you can catch his books, Unjust, Social Justice and the Unmaking of America and the Rise of the New Puritans, Fighting Back Against Progressives' War on Fun. You can also find his work at National Review. Noah, always a pleasure, man. Can't thank you enough for being with us. And I can't thank you enough for being a part of the show and what we do here, presented by Americans for Prosperity, americansforprosperity.org, Economic Liberty uh, free speech, that's where it's at. Uh, catch my radio show, uh, Noon to 3, WIBC.com, and you can hear it on weekends across the country, hopefully soon, uh, everywhere, all the time, 24-7 cats. That's what we need 
in this world. Guys, I appreciate you like you wouldn't believe, believe, and I will catch you next time. Take care.